Good morning. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Pastor Mark is away this Sunday. He will be back next Sunday. And if you know Pastor Mark the way I do, you are not going to want to miss next Sunday. He's going to be charged up and ready to go. We've got a new sermon series that he's bringing out, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure you're here next Sunday. Today, we are going to be working on our One Another sermon series. This is part seven. That is my privilege to bring to you this morning, and I'm really uh, blessed to be able to have that opportunity. We are going to be looking at Ephesians 4, verse 32, which says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And what we're going to look at is kindness, compassion, and forgiveness, and how those flow into each other this morning. Don't you love it when people are kind to you? Amen. I do. I really, really appreciate that. A couple of Sundays ago, I showed up here with crutches. I couldn't stand without them. Fortunately, we had a set at home from one of my kids' previous adventures. I just adjusted them. They fit me. And I honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't put weight on my leg at all. And uh, thanks to my healer, I, I, I am now not needing crutches today. But you know what? What encouraged me on that day was that so many people came up to just to talk, to say hi, to say what's up, and to pray with me right there, right on the spot, and, or to say that they'll pray for me that week. That was really encouraging for me. I felt cared for. That was kindness, just at work, totally. Um, kindness has been described as the key to all locks. Kindness works in all locks. That means it's a universal language which everybody can understand. An act of kindness never goes out of style. It never goes out of fashion. It's a language for all because everyone understands it can speak the language of kindness. And we all know when it's absent, too, don't we? I read an article uh, in NBC News yesterday, and uh, the title got me. You never, like, headlines, just this is the headline. Uh, Homeowners yell at men trying to save neighbor's life on their lawn. (laughs) Wow, What? i got to read that. What is going on there? So this is just a gentle way to describe a condition that exists everywhere today. But basically what happened was a landscaper was working, doing his job, working on somebody's yard, and uh, he sees a car that's sort of gently rolling down the street. He can tell that the driver was under some kind of distress, so he drops what he's doing, rushes to help. He actually had to physically like, get his hands under the fender and help the car slow down. He's trying to open the doors. The doors are locked because the car's in gear. The driver's having a seizure. He's calling out for help, trying to help. The homeowners come out of their house and get off our lawn! Get off our lawn! They're all upset because all this is happening on their lawn. Crazy. It's craziness, right? It's absolutely craziness. So the guy helping, the landscaper, recognized the man, thought he knew where the guy lived, ran down the street, got the guy's wife, they got the car open, they got him the meds that he needed right away, and he's okay. But just an act of kindness, you know, trying to happen in a world that doesn't want it to happen. It's a challenge. Our world is growing increasingly more angry and hostile. We read that in the news all the time, all around us. There's wars and rumors of wars, right? Scripture describes this happening. There's social unrest, there's political unrest, there's economic unrest, there's all kinds of this stuff happening right now. We are a hurting people in so many, many ways, but a little bit of kindness, the saying goes, goes a long way. In Ephesians 1, starting at verse 6, we read this, 
So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He's showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Kindness is a interpersonal skill. That means it's something that we can develop, we can learn it, we can grow it, we can build it stronger. It's defined as a benevolent and helpful action intentionally directed towards another person, motivated motivated by the desire to help. Kindness is best learned when it's experienced in a way that can be replicated. So at Woodvale, we take kindness seriously. And that might sound like a little bit of a funny saying, but absolutely it's true in every way. Some of the small ways. When you call here, if you actually use a real phone and call us here, you'll reach a person. We do our best to answer every single phone call with a live voice because we feel that is important. We feel that is offering kindness to you. Uh, If you reach out to us in some other way, some digital format or electronic format, we also do our very best to respond promptly to all of those, not just to some of them or to certain types, but to time to contact us for whatever reason, we do our best to respond very promptly. Also, in the bigger things, so large things, such as providing opportunities for you to be ambassadors for Jesus in your community. We do that all of the time. We host different uh, seasonal events, Christmas and Easter. We host services here. We make it easy to invite people. It's a reliable production that goes on. Uh, All you have to do is invite a neighbor. It's as simple as that. So we we have that. We also have uh, when you register your family. If you've registered for, uh, we had the most recent one was the picnic in a box. So last month we we delivered, um, as part of our big give project this year, a picnic in a box to 200 families in our community. That's Incredible. When you look at the numbers and how it all breaks down, we're very, very close to the size and and volunteer effort of an online event. So it was incredibly comparative. Uh, Christmas hampers, that's another one. When you register your family to come or you bring groceries in or you're part of that whole process, groceries, packaging, driving, delivering, you are showing your kids or whoever you're with that this is how kindness is done. And even if you're doing it on your own, you're building up, you're strengthening your ability to be kind. We've got one on the go right now. You heard Joanne talk about it on the announcements, but it's our backpack drive. I brought a couple up here just to highlight. We've got uh, young kids, older kids. It's pretty easy, there's two types. We just need backpacks, we need all the things that go in them, uh, and we need them pretty fast in the next couple of weeks. August the 8th is the deadline. Our goal is 175 this year. Where do we get our numbers from? We have, We've got basically contacts made with two different schools, two different uh, housing groups in Ottawa housing and in Nepean housing, and we do our best to, to meet the need. It's a very, very real need. When you look at dollars and cents, 175 backpacks is going to be somewhere around the $10,000 mark. Like it's, it's a, not a small thing, guys, and this is something we need. If you can, I would encourage you to go to our website. All the details are there and check it out, see what you can do. If you don't want to call, go to our website, call our office, and one of our amazing admins will answer the phone and help you on the phone. So find a way that works for you and just get involved. These are the kinds of things that we do. 
Uh, one of the ways I describe our uh, community care effort is uh, matching needs with offers. That's what we do. We don't have a warehouse, we don't have a truck, we don't have a delivery team, but we do try to match up needs with offers and we do our best to make it kind of same day. And you know what? A friend of mine, if he's listening in on today, Ed Hunter, if you are listening, brother, I miss you. We, we have done so much moving together over the years. Countless bedroom suites, appliances, you name it. We've brought them out of and into all kinds of places all over town just to help people. We bend over backwards to make something happen. If we know of a need, we do our utmost to, make, to meet it. We really do. We can't do it without you. <clears throat> Community care is a, is a huge, huge thing. This past week, Lee, a guy from church here, was able to help out a couple, a senior couple who needed some work done uh, on a ladder, and they weren't comfortable doing that. So Lee was able to go in and get it done. You know, it's that kind of thing. For me, it involved a phone call and a couple of texts, but it's just matching it up, lining it up. It's amazing. It never, ever, ever grows old. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had... Uh, one family had a bedroom, had some bedroom furniture, another family, we were able to mix all the pieces together and get them out to two different families that needed stuff. And it just worked. You know, God is awesome in how these things work out. Uh, we need each other to accomplish this. We, have, we receive the needs, but you know what? We need you all to really help meet them. And we're just the facilitators, but it's a, it's a group effort. We need it. Our, our youth, on a regular basis, on an on annual basis, they do a random acts of kindness night. They save up their cash, and they use it on a particular night to go out and bless people in the community. Um, we bought a ventilator uh, for the Queensway Carlton Hospital early on in the pandemic, when those things are really in demand. Um, you know what? Through the pandemic, we have responded... Uh, for requests for food help. Um, people talk about food instability or insecurity, and that is such a real thing in our city, even here in Ottawa. That is a big, big thing. Our church has been doing everything we can do to meet those needs. We've got our name on lists. If people uh, are stuck, they can go to a, the City of Ottawa website. They can find out places to call for help. We are one of those. So it's... Uh, we're doing everything we can to help people out. These things are all the things that can be used to teach someone what kindness is or to grow in it yourself, to, to get stronger in it yourself. A little bit of kindness can really make your day. Simple gestures can totally change your day. A smile to someone on the bus, a hello shared between neighbors, letting someone in on the highway, that's a, there we go, that's probably in everybody's wheelhouse now, <laughs> letting someone go ahead of you at the store, you know, on the highway, that's such an amazing thing, everybody's like in their own little spaceship, and there's nothing around you except what's in your way, that's kind of how it seems, you see people just bolt right on, but it's like body language. Signal lights, maybe not, but you know what? Car speed is a little bit like body language. You can kind of tell if somebody's trying to move in or merge or, you know, be kind. Um, letting someone ahead of you at the store. Ooh, if anybody, I said this morning at our team huddle uh, with all of our volunteers this morning, you know what? If you've ever worked in retail, you have people stories. And if you've ever sat people, if you've ever been one of our hosts in the main auditorium here, you have people stories. It's amazing how, how spicy people make life, right? It's, it's just the way, the way that we are. 
Simple things can make such a big difference for you and for me. I am a firm believer in this. I will not pass somebody on the sidewalk without offering some kind of a greeting. My wife and I were out for a walk a while ago, as, as many people are doing these days, and uh, we're walking along, and you know how it goes now, like someone else is coming this way and you're on, on the sidewalk, so somebody's going to have to move out to the street or cross the street until you're past, and then you go back in. So this is happening. As we're getting closer to this woman that's approaching us, my wife says, yeah, every time I say hello, she never responds. I thought... Challenge accepted. Okay, so she's coming along. We move to the we move to the street, and I'm thinking, okay. As we get close, I offer a, gen, a gentle, but a but a you know audible, good evening. Nothing, not a thing. Silence. Back on. Claudette says, "See, told you." So our street is a large crescent, and it joins to the same arterial road at both ends. So chances are, if you pass somebody once, you'll pass them again. Sure enough, it came up. So my mind right away started recalculating. I thought, okay, maybe I said it, maybe we were, maybe we were too close to each other, and I needed to be a little bit further apart to give her enough time to hear and respond in turn. Maybe we needed to do that. So I'm thinking this through as we're coming up a second time. This time she moves to the street, and we're on the sidewalk. So a little bit earlier, I just did the same thing again. <laughs> so I just leaned over. Hey, good evening. This time, guess what? This time we get a, a head shift. We got eye contact. I thought, yes, it works. Yes, we got eye contact. We made a difference. That was exciting. Claudette and I decided to go around a second time, or a third time. Guess what? <laughs> Obviously, she wasn't on her way home. She was out for a walk as well. So we passed her. We're getting ready to pass her again. This time, we move to the street. She's on the sidewalk. I do the same thing again. I go, good evening again. And this time, she turns, she makes eye contact, and she smiles. And to me, folks, to me, that made my heart smile. That just encouraged me so much because I felt something good had happened there. I felt that a change of disposition had happened there, perhaps a change in her heart. To smile, you all know, you can't smile when you're mad. You can't smile when you're sad. You can't, you can't force that through very well, very convincingly, when you're not feeling it. And to get somebody to the point of making a smile. Anybody who has kids knows that, right? We're going to turn that frown into a smile. That is what I mean. Little things can make a big, big difference for you or for someone else and and for you as well. If you want to make the world a better place, it starts with you, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus taught. Kindness begins with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? If you can't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? We need to be able to love ourselves. That means we need to be aware. It also means we need to understand just how things are. So I am well aware, as are probably most of you, how often I need to put my soul aside in order to carry on and meet the demands that are put on me or that I agree to in the course of a day and a week. We all do. Life goes on in spite of our personal struggles. In most workplaces today, if you lose a loved one, you have three 
compassionate days. That's kind of the standard, right? That is hard. That is hard on our soul. That is hard in our relationship with God. That is just plain hard. But it is the reality. This world requires us to keep going at speeds that we eventually you end up having one state of on. And if it's like me, it's kind of like a haggard, hazy, tired on. I'm just on. I'm on for that meeting. I'm on for that call. I'm on for that doctor's report. I'm on. And when I'm not on, I'm asleep. It's, it's one or the other. That's it. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about building margin into our day and our week for the needs that come our way so that we can offer hospitality to others. We also need to build a little bit of margin into our lives just to be kind to ourselves, to pay attention to what feeds our soul. A friend of mine told me that, you know what? Other people depend on you, so you need to take time to care for yourself so that you can care for them. Good words. Very good words. We need to pay attention to what feeds our soul. What feeds your soul? And I can probably, probably encourage you this way. It probably doesn't involve money. For me, uh, about as far away as a person can possibly get from a day at the spa, that's going to encourage me. A spa day will not help me one iota. It's going to stress me right out to the max. What will help me is perhaps walking as far as you can into the woods and then just uh, having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. That would really encourage me. We are all different. We're all very, very different. The power of offering kindness to yourself is that the fruit of doing so impacts other people. And I know that to be true because the inverse is also true. If you are... For example, people are depending on you. You've got a huge to-do list. You've got to get this task done. It's going to happen now, whether you've got time, tools, or know-how. It's going to happen one way or the other. That's it. That's all. You're going to get it done. Um, You know what? I know a person like that. You're looking at them. And guess what? If you want to see a live example of that, we have a picnic table at the back. Go at door three, or if you happen to go out the way on your way out, it's a colorful table. And take a look and see if you can see... The flaw. (laughs) One of these things doesn't match the others. Something doesn't fit right there. That's because I had a moment in time to do a repair on that table. Didn't have everything I needed. I used what I had. Got it done. Done. Check that one off. Move on. That's the way I sometimes go about things. Rather than saying, you know what, Joe, why don't we just do this another day? We'll come back with the right tools, the right materials, and we'll fix it the right way once because now it requires a second visit guaranteed it's not going to hurt anybody but it will require a second visit Um, the power of kindness is amazing it affects the people that are closest to us right so if you can be kind to yourself you are teaching your kids on how to even do that if you can be kind to yourself other people aren't negatively affected by whatever it is you're involved with If you do let uh, the negative manifest or the frustration manifest, that will impact other people. It will impact personal relationships and interpersonal relationships. And it will make, gives a sour, a sour tone to whatever you're involved with. So we need to pay attention to what feeds our soul. So what might that look like today? What might 
practicing kindness to yourself look like these days? Perhaps it could be in the way that you talk to yourself when you totally blow it. Does anybody know what I'm saying? I'm sure I'm not the only person that's ever failed majorly in front of someone that's important. Maybe your spouse, your boss, a friend, you've let somebody down in a big way. Don't be harsh with yourself, but be, but be honest, right? We need to be honest. That's how we can improve and move on. Um, maybe it's the demanding pace that you're currently working on. Maybe you need to reevaluate your pace with your supervisor to come up with something that is sustainable and reasonable. There's always those short-term moments, but when the short-term and the exception becomes the rule, that's not sustainable for anybody. And your company's not going to want you to fail because they need you to do what they need you to do all the time. So coming up with a, a, better, a better balance would be good. Um, we all need to revisit that periodically. I've only ever met one person in my life that consistently overcommitted, but always delivered. And the only reason I knew that they were overcommitting was I had some idea of what their home life was like as well as their work life. It's just, uh, I think maybe sleep wasn't part of the equation, right? They were able to do more in a day. Everybody appreciates acts of kindness and there's plenty of opportunities to practice and every, we need to take some time to reflect on acts of kindness that you have received what acts of kindness have you received uh, that you've really appreciated? Maybe take a moment and think about that. How can you replicate that? How can you do that? A kind word, a smile, celebrating someone you love, giving honest compliments, telling someone how special they are to you, sharing homemade food. You know what? That's awesome. Every now and again, we receive food. And to be honest, it doesn't matter if it's homemade or not. I don't really care. I just enjoy it. Anything that's baked is pretty much awesome. But if you happen to be thinking of me, say, one day, peanut butter cookies and uh, oatmeal and raisin cookies, wow, those are awesome. I really, <laughs> really like those. Donating clothes that you no longer use um, or, or that you don't wear, stuff that you don't need. All those things are acts of kindness. Our verse says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. So it leads into compassion. What is compassion? What is the meaning of compassion? We must learn to regard people. This is a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, an amazing man of God whose life was taken far too soon. But it, he says, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do, and more in the light of what they suffer. Amen. We need to be able to see what people are suffering. The meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others and then take action to help. Compassion is a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering. The Latin root for the word compassion is patty, which means suffer, and the prefix com means with. So literally, compassion means to suffer with. Compassion gets involved. It doesn't stand by the sidelines. There's no such thing as armchair compassion. Not a thing. 
it gets involved. When others keep their distance from those who are suffering, compassion propels us forward to act on their behalf. To have compassion means to empathize with someone uh, who is suffering and to feel compelled to reduce the suffering. So how does the Bible define that? The Bible doesn't define it like a dictionary. It doesn't say what it means. But what it does do is it shows us what it means. The Bible defines compassion by showing us what compassion looks like and what is involved with being compassionate. So I've got some scripture verses here. I believe they're listed on the screen there. Uh, the references, but we're just going to read a few of those right now. So Proverbs 31, starting at verse 8, says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that verse because it describes us. It describes you and me. There isn't any two of us here the same. We're all uniquely created in God's image with different abilities and different weaknesses, and we need to use both of them for his purposes. Amen. We need to be using what we've got. Um, Zechariah says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And then in Philippians we read, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ in any comfort from his love, in any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. The spirit of the word compassion is synonymous with doing. It's a do. It's an action. It's not concerned with the material. It's not concerned with the physical things. It's concerned with, with the human spirit and soul. The spiritual definition of compassion involves acting to alleviate suffering of others. I'm going to read a really quick story from Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 29. It's about two blind guys. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. So Jesus, the guy who knows everything, asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Jesus' compassion prompts him to act, and he mercifully loves, heals, and rescues. That's compassion. Jesus' presence in our world is the ultimate act of compassion. He died for us. He died for our sins. We don't deserve that, but he did it Amen. for us. That leads us into forgiveness. 
What is forgiveness? This should be the easy one, right? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is letting go of sin. That's forgiveness. God has forgiven us our sins, and we need to forgive others of theirs. It's moving on instead of dwelling on, right? We want to refuse to harbor things against people. The human condition is this. Humans are born sinners. We're born into it. From the beginning, we are condemned. From the beginning, we are separated from God. That keeps us from having a relationship with him. All of the great ideas we come up with to bridge that gap don't work. The only way that does work is Jesus. There's a cross behind me on the wall. You'll notice that it's empty. Jesus was killed on a cross, but he also rose from the dead. Our cross represents a resurrected Jesus Christ. And you know what else is interesting about this church building? If you go outside and stand on the sidewalk at Green Bank and look towards the building, you'll see a large copper-colored cylinder with kind of like a split in it this way. The architect built that to represent uh, the light shining through as the stone that covered the tomb Jesus was in rolled away. That's what that's supposed to, to show. We don't deserve this, but Christ did this for us. God in his great love and mercy has created a way for our debt of sin to be repaid, resulting in the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, God's only son, paid the price for us to have a relationship with God so that one day we can have eternity with him. We can be in his kingdom. His love for us was so great that he would sacrifice his son to pay the price for our sin. And not only that, but he cast it away so that it can never come between us and him. And there's an awesome verse here too, really. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will have eternal life. But the second one is Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. It's gone. When God forgives you, it is gone. It is forgot. This is the forgiveness that God offers, and we only have to accept it. All you have to do is accept it. That's it. Because of the forgiveness we have received, we in turn forgive others. So there might be a couple of questions. Who should I forgive? Well, our verse would indicate each other. So in each other is you and me, right? Those that transgress against you, that's the obvious one, but you need to forgive yourself as well. We need to seek forgiveness and forgive ourselves and not be harsh with ourselves. What is forgivable? The writer of Hebrews says, for I'll forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. It doesn't matter how bad of a person you perceive yourself to be, you were condemned from the beginning and your own view of how good or bad you are does not decide your salvation. What does is a humble and repentant heart. That is what is required. Your works have no power to save you. It's your heart, your heart attitude. How many times should I forgive somebody? Good question. You know what? We actually have an account of that. Peter asked Jesus the same thing. He said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, as though that was a big number. And Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So a lot. Keep doing it. 
That's what he's saying. Don't stop. Don't get to 77 and stop. Keep forgiving. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Not only do we forgive others for what they may have done to us, but we need to seek forgiveness for what we have done to them. So what is it to be kind to someone? What is it to be kind to one another? These are the things that we want to focus on. We have uh, so many opportunities here at Woodvale Church to assist you and to help you. And this morning, before we close, I'm going to invite Allie to come on back up and the worship team. You know what? They, she did an awesome job this morning. They did a great job this morning. We really appreciate all of our volunteers here. And, uh, wow, we couldn't do this without you. But I really would like to, to do something that we do every Sunday. And that is to invite Christ into our lives, to provide an opportunity for that. We don't want a Sunday to go by without providing that opportunity for folks. So perhaps you're here this morning, and maybe you arrived with friends. Maybe you met up with some friends. Maybe you came with your mom and dad. Uh, maybe you came on your own. And... This is something that maybe sounds a little bit familiar, but perhaps you feel that, you know what, uh, if you knew my story, uh, you would know why God cannot forgive me. Well, I'd ask you to consider this. Don't put a standard on yourself that God doesn't. God does not place that standard on you. What he does do, he sa- we read this in Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a guarantee, folks. It's a guarantee. You will be. He will forgive you of your sin. As far as the east is from the west, forgot. So don't place a burden that's not yours to place. God doesn't put that on you. So I'd just like to encourage you. We're going to pray together. We're not going to single anybody out. But if you pray that prayer, tell somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell me. Tell uh, our guest lounge on the way out this morning. There's a guest lounge on the left. If you came in on this side, if you came in on this side, there's a guest lounge on your right. So just tell somebody there. And if you do, we've got something there for you. We've got something uh, just for coming for the first time, but we've got some help. Uh, helpful tools for you to grow in your relationship with God. So take advantage of those this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray together, okay? Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sin. I want to turn away from my sin. And today I invite you to come into my heart. I want to trust you and follow you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen.